Hello and welcome to the Event Lab podcast, your window into the events conversation, brought to you by Hirespace. This episode, Joe from the Venue Expert team is joining me for a chat about two exciting new venues opening up in London soon. They boast um, like five star bedding and another sort of like funny boast that they have is uh, free XX mu- uh, movies on demand. Then Alexandra Galvez, co-founder of LinkedIn Local, shares her story about converting LinkedIn followers into real-life connections in her talk on networking in a digital age, recorded live at Event Lab 2018. And all of a sudden overnight, I was catapulted in the limelight and had thousands of invites to connect, thousands of comments to reply to. And it started making me think, why was this so important? Why were people so interested in this? And it was because it was incredibly relatable and people could connect on a common subject that a lot of people wanted to talk about, but didn't have the space to do so. There's no News Digest this week, but Ed is sitting down with Charlotte Gentry to discuss her appointment as board chair at Evcom. Hello. How are you doing? How strange to have you here in a non-News Digest format. I know. I feel very privileged with uh, lots of time to uh, to talk, which is my speciality, on my own. Just me and you. No one here to cover up our mistakes. I know. Slightly nerve-wracking. It is. So, we're here to talk about Evcom. You're the new board chair. I know, and I'm so excited about it. Unbelievable. Can't wait to get stuck in. Yeah. So how did it come about? Well, actually, first of all, what is Evcom? Tell us about the organisation. Okay, so Evcom is the association for live events and screen um, professionals. It is um, really quite an amazing organisation in terms of um, the different kind of events that we produce, and it's an amazing forum to network. Um, It's essentially um, a trade association that represents... Um, first and foremost, the events and screen industry um, by bringing these people together as brand innovators in the sector and recognising excellent creative talent within within our sector. And, and this is done through the medium of amazing campfire sessions where there are lots of exciting discussions um, alongside an amazing conference that we do every year in September. Um, and this year we've got Martin Sorrell speaking, which is super exciting. So I can't wait for the content on that. Then we have the awards, which obviously are the pinnacle of what we do by recognising the best in the industry. So we've had some amazing um, entries already so far which is really, really super exciting. Amazing to have Martin Sorrell. How did that come about? Martin Sorrell was, um, I mean, I'm super impressed in terms of how we actually managed to um, uh, to secure him, having actually met him myself um, firsthand and got a handshake off the man, which was extraordinary, having delivered his um, EMEA conference in Italy for uh, eight of his agencies through with WPP. Um, quite an unusual character, and he got grilled at that conference, so I'm hoping he might get a grilling again. He's contrary. Controversial, no? Oh, he's super controversial, which means we're going to get on like a house on fire. Because, <laughs> yeah, why, why uh, <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is Evcom a, a controversial association then? What, what, are the, what, are the, what, what no, kind of things are you talking about? Uh, no, not, not at all. But I think that um, maybe what they've been trying... Um, or, or wanting to do is to possibly shake things up a little bit, bring some fresh, enthusiastic um, ideas and blood into the equation and and really try to move it forward. I think there have been some challenges with the association over the past three to five years. And it's really been sort of laying the foundations for 
the ability to move this forward, work on the brand awareness. I think a lot of people don't really know who we are, um, what value we bring to the table, um, the amazing amount of members that we have and the incredible networking opportunities. And I think a lot of people think that it's only senior management that get to attend a lot of these events. But in actual fact, a lot of these events are extremely educational. And so agencies really should be sending at least one member of their junior to sort of mid-tier level team to actually experience a lot of this content because it's free training essentially or it's you know if you're paying for a ticket price it's it's negligible in comparison to what people are going to walk away with not to say the amount of networking opportunities that they're going to have when they're, when they're there so who are the members so our our listeners span a broad range of across the events industry suppliers and venues and it's, agencies and corporates who who should be most interested in in Fcon? it's primarily events and 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 screen agencies that yep. are and film agencies that are that are members um and it's an opportunity to share some of the most creative ideas in the industry and to um to open a forum for discussion of how the industry should be moving forwards and i'm quite keen as well to um to embrace um uh, more input from the millennial market as well, and, and not just um, senior management level, to try and get some fresh perspective on actually what members really want from their from from their association that they're a member of. And I think that's often a question that's asked: What value are we actually getting from a membership? And that's what we really want to understand now, at Evcom. We really want to understand, you know, exactly what the members expect from us, and exactly what kind of content that we can actually give them that's going to be of huge value to them. Great. Tell us the story. How did you, how did you become to be board chair and, and what's your brief? Well, um, I, I think that um, the chair role was up for debate, shall I say. I think it was important to to find someone to, to, to take that role. And Lee Jagger very kindly um, approached me, I think, largely because I am probably quite controversial, um, like shaking things up a bit, quite dynamic, quite outspoken. Um, but at the same time, I get shit done. Excuse my French. I think that's really probably one of the reasons why they wanted somebody quite strong at the helm um, and to be able to assist with directing the board. Who And we have got the most exceptional board um, of some really high profile individuals in, in the industry, such as Dale from DRP. And these people have been unbelievably instrumental in um, in bringing, bringing the association to, to where it is today. And so it's an amazing platform to now be able to to grow it. And Lee, Lee, that's Lee Jaggy you mentioned, so yes, formerly yeah. former CEO of Bank Sadler, is that Exactly. Right? And she is the most extraordinarily brilliant woman. Jenny, um, who was um, CEO previously, um, was also an incredibly dynamic and fabulous individual and has found somebody equally wonderful to take over that um, that mantle. So I feel very privileged, actually, and fortunate to be in a position to hopefully also give some of my time back to the industry and be able to impart some of my perhaps slightly forward thinking ideas into the association and inject some uh, some some uh, just some fresh ideas and and some new drive and perspective is this your first first association you've been you've been part of it is it's a crowded marketplace there's so many associations in this it is and actually um, I was having this conversation with um, with Lee the other day and why aren't some of these associations all collaborating with each other to actually form potentially one core association association. yeah one super association where we can all add a huge amount of, of value so people aren't dividing their marketing budget between you know two or three associations but they can actually pick 
you know, one main one and we can actually create something really quite fabulous. Brilliant. So you've got the conference coming up. Conference is... Got the conference coming up on the 5th of September. Um, we've got Martin Sorrell talking um, and alongside some other amazing... Um, uh, panel discussions, one of which is all about the importance of branding, um, which also I'm actually chairing that panel discussion. And um, we've got some great corporates who are actually going to give their insights into how they um, uh, perceive branding to be a fundamental part of, of the events planning process. Again, I just think perhaps agencies aren't aware enough of, of, of really the level of content that, that's being delivered at this conference and um, should, e- should absolutely be sending at least one, if not two members of their team down to, to come and see what it's all about. So all agencies, any agencies touching the events world in, in any way? Yeah, in the events world, absolutely. Um, and um, it's being held at the Design Museum this year, again, so an, an amazing venue. Um, so that in itself is definitely worth worth having a look at um and um it will be really be really interesting and we've got you know we've got a good number of agencies coming this year some really amazing keynote speakers um and i just feel that the industry needs to engage more with some of these um events that are taking place over the course of the year where the content is the primary focus yeah i think sometimes as an agency owner knowing how hard it is to deliver constantly and being so bogged down in the delivery one has to sometimes take a step back and say okay actually the learning experience for one staff is very very important we need to make the time to send somebody to to an event of this nature who, who creates the content for you guys because it is it's so so important it's also really really difficult event lab we have felicity and her team who do an incredible job yeah. putting this content program together and it's absolutely what drives people to the yeah. events and to the brand who does it for you guys are you going to be you going to be kind of getting involved with that content creation Abs- absolutely 100 percent. i'll be getting involved in some of that content creation but as i said we've got an amazing board and i think potentially in the future we might be redistributing um levels of responsibility um as far as the board are concerned to get more input and to bring also the screen and the live events um individuals who are all a big agency owners um, into a more cohesive environment to be able to share more information. So it's not just about screen and then live events, but actually that they become more cohesive. Um, and we talk, we start discussing things more as a, an industry rather than just as, you know, either screen or, or, or live. Um, we've also got a streamlined um uh, team actually in the Evcom office. Um, we've got another ex-bank Sadler, um, uh, what fabulous lady called um, Liz, who is very instrumental in putting these programs together and is doing an amazing job. So, um, so yeah, we're on we're on track to do some really exciting things. And actually, the awards this year we've got a different format going on. Woohoo! Um, which is really exciting. So. Um, it's no longer going to be, well, for this year, certainly, um, a seated full on three course dinner number with, you know, your stage at the back and all the rest of it. We're doing it, um, at the BFI, which is again, a really exciting venue. And it's going to be an auditorium style format followed by the screen and live coming together, um, at the end for a major networking party, which will be so much more fun, I think, and, uh, will give people an opportunity to, to network better. So you've got lots of ideas already. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a two-year plan, five-year plan? Um, I think I can't probably bite off more than I can chew. (laughs) And I think um, probably for the time being, I'm just going to be looking at 2020 and really um, just hoping to, um, you know, drive ideas and in a, you know, in a, in a soft manner, um, but just trying to steer, steer the, the, the association in, in the route that the members want.
and trying to get that feedback is from them is absolutely crucial. Brilliant. How do people find out more about the conference or about Evcom generally? Well, if they go to evconference.com, they can get straight on online and go and have a look. If they can go to evcom.org.uk, they can have a look at Evcom in general. Um, but by all means, find me on LinkedIn, reach out to me, send me a message. Happy to discuss. My door is open. Um, really excited to be a part of all of this. Brilliant. Well, congratulations, Charlotte. No doubt you'll make an incredible success of it. And Thank you, lovely Ed. to talk to you. Yeah, lovely to talk to you too. Thanks a lot. Cheers. It's time for a bit of venue talk now, so strap in to hear about two of London's most exciting new venues. I am in the presence of a venue expert. <laughs> uh, I am butting in to venue talk, uh, as I myself uh, am not even a venue apprentice. Uh, Joe, it's good to be in the studio. Oh yeah, no, thanks very much for having me. I, lo- I love the, uh, I-, I think um, our job titles of venue experts has got to be one of the most boastful <laughs> job titles that you get. I don't know, it feels, it feels accurate, like the amount of like venue knowledge you guys seem to just like pluck out of the air, is, <laughs> it always astounds. Uh, but I've, I mean, I've done my best to hopefully, you know, come, come somewhere close to <laughs> venue expertise, because I've been... I mean, we sit pretty near each other, like I- I'm sure you must pick up quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, true. I mean, I hear a lot of, uh, you know, little venue tidbits. I'm always like, how do they know that? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we've got some venues for you. I've researched one and hopefully you can can give me some feedback on whether or not you think it's decent. Yeah, 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 it sounds good. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I know you've got one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I guess I'll I'll start. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. So I was looking at, it's been pretty summery. I know we're kind of approaching the end of summer, but... I think this venue would also work pretty well as an autumn venue. However, I am aware that they are very exclusive. And as far as I can tell, there are only 15 dates that you can book this venue. Well, then now is exactly the right time to start <laughs> looking at it. Because, you know, if you, uh, when, you, when you start at the beginning of summer looking for a summer venue, most of the places that would be like your ideal dream venue, they've, they've been booked probably around now. So this is a great time for people to sort of, even though a lot of people won't be thinking about it, if you're one of those people that wants to be so far ahead of it and you, and you want to definitely sort of like hit the ground running and you want, to, you want the best of the best, then now's the time you need to be looking at finding that. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, great I'm, time to start hearing about new ones. Yeah, I'm a person that's incapable of making plans into the next week, <laughs> let alone like summer 2020. So yeah, I think there is there are five dates in June 2020, five dates in July, and five dates in September. So you basically got to be really quick off yeah, the Yeah, really hot. Really hot uh, but basically it's called Secret River Garden. And... You want to think like Wind in the Willows vibes. Oh. It's on the Thames. You've got you've got kind of rushes. You've got the river. It's grassy. There are like big willows. And it's basically, seems like, yeah, summer party venue, big sort of canvas marquees. Okay, cool. You've got chairs around campfires. You've got the sort of garlands. You've got little fairy lights, photos of the, the evening kind of atmosphere. It is very grammable. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, it sounds really cool. So how far, I mean, one of my first questions is always going to be how far from central London is it? Uh, so you're looking at Twickenham and then okay. you sort of probably, is, I think is the closest station. So not not too far outside when it's on yeah, the yeah, yeah, major yeah. train lines. So yeah, so like it's going it's to be probably, I mean, how many how many people does it usually have? Uh, up size to, parties? it's looking at so 150 to 200 is like max max capacity. Okay, yeah. So this is this is big. So you probably want want to get a couple of coaches. So it's it's people that want to want to move a lot of people down there. I would have thought, because, but yeah, but which is which is pretty popular. You know, people have been moving further and further out of of London for these sort of like summer events. Yeah, I think I think like 
the heat of the city. <laughs> like in the summer, I think people would really appreciate not being in the kind of the concrete hot box. That... Yeah, yeah. I think I think like like this year and last year, it's just been like su- summers. Like I think venue some venues have haven't seen in 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 living memory <laughs> and, and yeah and so and you know some some have prepared for it really well some of them it's impossible to prepare really well for it and uh yeah so i think i think getting getting a bit out into sort of like larger spaces and sort of spend it instead of doing like maybe just something in the evening spending a whole day doing something is more and more popular and, yeah like, and it's like more and more requests it sounds like they're really sort of catering to that full experience because they offer a load of activities as well i think that you can I, so this is this is so popular at the moment so i've, I've had i've had so many of these this year and okay. i think the, these these are really good ones to talk about because i think it um with these away days that we're, we're getting so many more requests for now i think they can really sort of when you when you're looking for venues when you're doing a search and especially if, if you don't do this for a living yeah first time you get asked about it um, it, it can be quite challenging and I think it was for me because you don't use the normal search methods that you would use to find something you can't just sort of like look at how large a place is look at because um, you know if you if you want to go go-karting so this could, is, so with the way that is this like companies kind of taking the group out of abs- for an ab- experience absolutely yeah so um, like so, so many of these this year with sort of like sports days really popular um, and like what you find quite a lot of the time as well is that they have an idea that they want to go away they want it to be quite conferency, but also yeah. a large part of the day to be quite a fun involved activity and then also you'll find that they have quite a loose idea of what they actually want in terms of that um so which makes it a bit more difficult to find because you can if someone so goes i want to go go-karting you can find them a go-karting place it's not necessarily going to have enough room to have a meeting space as well yeah yeah um so they, these yeah they, they sort of threw me the first couple of times i had to do one um you sort of like as you as you go through you sort of like start noting ones down that sort of work work really well um, but it's it's definitely a trend that there's been this summer, and I think it's going to continue of um, taking instead of just some doing the summer party, doing a whole day, and actually going moving outside of London to do that in some cases as well. You know, staying for a night in a hotel or moving everyone on a coach out and then coming back. I've had you know, we, and 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 it can be difficult to find the amount of space that you need to do. Like they're almost always outdoor activities that people want. I think mean, like having space for an activity and also just venues that like venue facilities. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, you can be quite creative as well with it. Um, I had one um, this summer where it was it was really short notice, and they desperately wanted to do like quite a large sports day, mm. and that we were to- we're talking like they wanted to organise this about two weeks before it happened, um, and so it was it was uh, there, there was there was nowhere left available. <laughs> But um, but you can be a bit inventive with it. So what we did in the end was we found the, the perfect venue for the conference part of it. And then we found a school in East London that the conference space was near. And they agreed for like, I think like 100 quid to rent us their football pitch for the day. So we were supporting the school. So they're happy. Yeah. The venue's happy because they've got business that they wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. And the um, and the company were really happy as well because they've got their sports there and they've got more than enough space. You know, the, I think one of the requirements for the event company they were using to do the sports day was that you needed to have at least a football pitch size area, which in London's difficult, but schools yeah. have football pitches. So. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty nifty solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they, they, you know, this, London is a big place and the space is out there. You just sometimes have to be a bit creative with how you find it. Yeah, very cool. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that space was Secret River Garden. Uh, check it out for your summer parties. Sounds good. Uh, so, what, what, where are you suggesting people take a look? Okay, so um, another, another thing that I've had quite a lot of in sort of towards the end of the summer... Um, is requests for the 
the very cool, the very trendy like hotel for for meetings and for for a lot of meetings. Okay. And um, I've actually chosen this one in particular because um, yesterday I, I very fortunately had the day off on on the incredibly hot day. Um, I don't know when the podcast goes out, but it was a, it was a scorch, and I had the day off, and I uh, I walked up to a swimming pool to go swimming. And I just noticed uh, this hotel sort of within my area, Bethnal Green, sort of um, Shoreditchy area. Mm. Um, like uh, I'd recognised the building before, but it had a brand new um, logo, and it said Mama Shelter in massive uh, letters, which is brand new, which is the name of the uh, name of the hotel uh, and I got in, came into the office this morning and um, ev- everyone was talking about it so I thought this is a really good one to, to, to bring today it's um, it's brand new um, it, the building's original but it uh, as Mama Shelter um, it's, it's brand new and it opens on the 2nd of September so um, really soon but you can t- uh, start making bookings now um, this does sort of fit the like hipstery vibe of, of a hotel. It's um it's a bit of a strange one. It's it's very fun. It, I think it will work really well for the um sort of like younger companies, places that want um something a bit different, something very trendy, which is something that I've been getting a lot of recently. So, uh, so when people are booking hotels for meetings, is that because they want like the extra services that a hotel offers as opposed to like just a dedicated meeting space? Um, it will be a. Um, in most cases, because they're coming from either the outskirts of London or they're coming from somewhere um, somewhere completely different, so like m- much much further afield. Um, so yeah, what I've had more than once, which this is sort of I think in line with, and there, there are other hotels that do this, but it's becoming so popular that I think the sort of my go tos are kind of becoming a bit a bit filled up yeah. now. So there's 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 new ones opening. I'm really excited to see more and more opening. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the sort of brief that we're looking for that this hotel works amazing for is, um, when they want to have a week's worth of meetings, um, and they're coming from out of town. So they want somewhere to stay every night. They want somewhere they can eat some of the nights and they want a meeting space that they can be in for an entire week. That doesn't feel sort of stuffy. Doesn't feel, um, like too, too corporate. That's somewhere that you can sort of really throw around ideas and you're happy to sit in for like four or five days running it's got a bit of that lifestyle that you can kind of yeah, enjoy yeah exactly and um and so yeah so just to move on to sort of the meeting spaces they've got um two uh, meeting spaces that can fit about 50 people in and um, that's boardroom um you can combine those into one of 100 um seating they've also got a small private room of about for about 12 and uh two karaoke rooms as well <laughs> which is another thing you know we've seen a lot of hotels doing um bowling a lot of hotels sort of like including that um but so this is what i'm not sure if it's the first but it's definitely not common um unique, so unique way of hosting a meeting yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know uh you know if someone sings their uh quarterly reports yeah, yeah, yeah it sings their quarterly <laughs> reports but um but it's actually it works really well for for again if you're staying there it gives you something to do in the evening which is really cool and what these what these rooms look like is they're they're really bright they're really fun they're really quirky um uh, they've got sort of um you know, sort of like cartoon masks mm. around, uh, like gumball machines, you know, where you sort of like turn the lever and like chewing gum comes out. They're very much sort of like, uh, you know, millennials have this sort of stereotype as like the um, generation that never grew up. And um, although I find that quite patronising, I do also watch cartoons on a Saturday morning sometimes. So uh, the, it's uh, it's oh, right yeah. up my street and I, th- I think it works really well. And I think it is, yeah, it's the, the vibe of the hotel is definitely fun, casual, sort of interesting, bright colours, um, like very light, really nice. Um, the bedrooms, <laughs> again, sort of same same vibe goes into the bedrooms. Um, really sort of like quirky and fun. They uh, they boast um, like five star bedding, and another sort of like funny boast that they have is uh, free XX mu- uh, movies on demand, um, which is what the girls it's on- certainly <laughs> unique. <laughs> well, it's it's what the girls on the account management team were giggling about when I got into the office this morning. So <laughs> sort of like you know maybe not maybe not for me, but I think it's sort of it it represents a sort of um, 
not taking themselves too seriously, I think, like, <laughs> which I which I quite like. I think it's it's sort of um, quite modern, to sort of not care about. That. I don't know. I don't know. The, um, I don't, I don't know what the details of the movies are, but I think it's it's at least quite funny. <laughs> and I think you know it's it is a hotel that's not going to work for everyone. You know that sort of um, sort of like playful, fun sort of silly vibe isn't isn't going to work for every company. But the ones that it works for, it's it meets really closely. Yeah, very cool. Well. Two very cool venues there, uh, and I thought I thought just before we end. So in a bit of news, this is this is my last uh, appearance on the podcast. I am uh, I'm handing over the reins to Joe, who is uh, who is taking over as the new host. Well, they're trialing me. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've got some really big uh, shoes to fill. As George has been doing this for a long time, it's been his sort of um, his baby, and uh, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. I think it's going to be really fun. George's. Um, I've been shadowing George and he's been uh, telling me everything he knows, or at least he's been telling me he's telling me everything he knows. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, you guys are going to be in, in safe hands <laughs> with, uh, with with Joe at the wheel. <laughs> safe right. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Uh, thanks very much. Finally, it's another throwback to Event Lab 2018 as Alexandra Galvez shares her top tips for digital networking. In June 2017... Four people around the world, in four separate countries, and in four different cities, set out to invite their LinkedIn network to meet offline. Now, the idea was, let's get to know the people behind the profiles without the sales. Over the course of almost 18 months, what started off as four people, four countries, and four cities, turned into a thousand people, 77 countries, and over 500 cities, all through the power of connection, more importantly, human connection, and the desire to connect with others and build community. But before I explain that story, we're going to go to my story and how it ties in with that one. So when I was younger, I really aspired to work in the city. I had the big corporate dream. I want to work in Canary Wharf. I want to earn a lot of money. I want the nice holidays and the designer clothes. I want to be in management. When I was 24, I reached that goal when I'd originally set it for 30. And upon getting that goal, I had a massive breakdown and had what I call a wonderful quarter-life crisis. And I see a a lot of smiles in the audience, and some of you may know what I'm talking about. Um, And in this sort of quarter-life crisis, I set out to get to know why that had happened and what I wanted to do instead of working in the corporate world. And I set out to sort of self-explore. I left my job back in February 2017 last year, and I thought, I'm going to start to meet my connections offline. So the day I left my corporate job, I put a post on LinkedIn that said, When I was a little girl, I used to dream of working in the tall building with a pointy top by the river. And having got there, I realized that my definition of success was skewed. It was based on money, power, and status. And what I realized as an adult was that with that comes a lot of stress, anxiety, depression, to name a few. But upon getting to the top of that building, I realized that sometimes it takes getting to where you want to be to realize It's not where you're meant to be. That post went viral on LinkedIn and had over 80,000 people view it. 
And all of a sudden, overnight, I was catapulted in the limelight and had thousands of invites to connect, thousands of comments to reply to. And it started making me think, why was this so important? Why were people so interested in this? And it was because it was incredibly relatable and people could connect on a common subject that a lot of people wanted to talk about, but didn't have the space to do so. So after that post went viral and it was online, I thought, let me speak to some of these people offline. I started to go to coffees with some of my LinkedIn connections that I was talking to, and I hashtagged it virtual number two reality, virtual to reality. And I started to meet people for coffees, and at that point, I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. I started to get to know people and ask them questions like, what do you do outside of work? What are you passionate about? Everything that wasn't related to what they did for a living, and just got to know them. I had nothing to sell them. They had nothing to sell me. One of the examples of that coffee was a guy named Taha. Now, Taha created content on LinkedIn, like me, and I said to him, I'd really love to go for a coffee and get to know you. Um, and at the time, he was based in LA, and he was going to be in London. So I met him, and I said to him, you know, it's great to finally meet. And he said, yeah, me too. I'm so glad to meet you because I love what you write about. And I thought, that's funny. I was just about to say the same to you. And so we started chatting about everything and anything, his upbringing, his education, my education, my upbringing, etc. what got us to where we were today. And at the end of the conversation, Taha kind of got to the part where we talk about work. And he said, Alex, whenever you decide to set up a business, I want to be the first to know. And I said, really? Why? And he said, well, you know, something that I'm not, you know, that's not really on my LinkedIn profile and I don't really talk about it openly is that actually I run a real estate company on Park Lane. And somewhere along the lines, I'd figured out this guy was really, really rich. <laughs> um, and so he kind of, you know, in a polite way said, I'm a millionaire, as you do. And I thought, like, oh my dear God, <laughs> how have I ended up in this situation? And the truth was that conversation would have gone really differently had I known that piece of information beforehand, because I wasn't out to get anything. I just thought, you write well, I like writing, we tend to engage on each other's stuff. And that was what I started to understand was the power of taking your online connections offline. We got to know each other as people, not as business opportunities, not as sales opportunities, but ways to connect on a human level. After I met Taha, I met a numerous amount of people, so I probably went about two to three coffees or teas during the week, because that was like an overdose in caffeine for a while. And I got to know people in exactly the same way I did with Taha. When I eventually set up my business and people found out what I was doing, almost about 70% of those turned into clients. Why? Because I never sold them anything. I just got to know them, I got to know their challenges, and when eventually that conversation came about after numerous conversations, it wasn't about trying to get something, it was trying to build that connection to then eventually have a partnership with them. So in June or around May time, something popped up in my feed about a lady called Anna McAfee in, um, in Australia in a really small town called Coffs Harbour. And she basically put online, I'm planning to meet my LinkedIn connections offline in a group setting. And I thought, ooh, that's virtual to reality, but with loads of people. 
that sounds cool. Let's do that in London. So I got in touch with her and she said, well, actually, I haven't planned my event yet. And I said, great, I want to find out more. But I wasn't the only one that got in touch with her. So did three other people. Someone in New York, someone in Brussels, and myself in London and Anna, obviously, in Sydney, or just outside of Sydney. And what happened was we all got on a Skype call and we said, you know, what's the plan? What are we going to do? And she said, you know, let's meet our connections offline, make it human. No one can sell, no one can pitch, no one can swap business cards. This is like the anti-networking event based on the most professional networking website there is, LinkedIn. And so we started doing that. And we started in June, all of us did our first one. We fed back to each other what worked, what didn't work. And then shortly after, probably around September time, someone said, Alex, can I come to your event and video it? And I said, you know, sure, but this is voluntary. I have no money, I have no budget. And they said, no, that's fine. We'll just do it as a favor. And I said, yeah, great, let's do that. So all of a sudden, people started seeing what LinkedIn local looked like and what was the power behind the events we were creating. They weren't your typical networking event. That video kind of went a little bit everywhere. Then Manu, my co-founder in New York, uh, was in Singapore and did a pop-up one. And Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, found out because many times he was tagged in our content. And all of a sudden, 1.5 million people saw LinkedIn local virtually. And we were inundated with requests. What is it about? How do you set one up? How do you go about it? How can I find one in my area? I travel in business. How do I go one to one in Singapore when I'm based in Melbourne? And so we had a bit of an issue on our hands, but one that we never intended to have because it was never meant to go, grow into this massive movement. And then Ryan came along based in Washington and he said, hey guys, I love what you guys are doing. Can I build you a website? And we were like, great, but we have no money. We're just a voluntary-led community. He said, yeah, that's no problem. I'll do it as a favor. So then, all of a sudden, we had a website. All of a sudden, we had an onboarding process. All of a sudden, we had people that could see where our events were. And then we started getting more people involved, more strategically. So out of uh, the four co-founders, two of us had really big followings on LinkedIn, Manu and myself. And we started talking to our friends, our virtual friends that also had big followings and saying, you know, you should meet with the people that follow you. You should set one of these up. And that snowballed into hundreds and hundreds of events. And every single week, we have more and more people wanting to get involved, which is still a community-led movement of networking. So a lot of this is to sort of emphasize the fact that None of it was profit-based. None of it was sales-based. It was always human-based. It was trying to bridge that gap between online and offline, because a lot of people sit in the online space and are happy to engage, but then in the offline space, hey, going to networking events. And maybe it's because you haven't found the right networking events. Maybe it's because you're fearful about meeting people and connecting. And actually, what I didn't mention at the start is that I am the most introverted person you will ever meet. <laughs> so to become one of the co-founders of one of the largest and longest-running networking communities on LinkedIn was the craziest thing. 
Um, and actually, when I got that job at quite a young age, I set out to do things that I feared the most. And my personal way of doing it, which is a bit masochistic, was basically going to networking events over and over and over and over to get rid of the fear that actually all I'm doing is speaking with someone else, someone that I don't know, someone that I've yet to know, and that actually us as humans have so many things in common, things that we can connect on, and essentially, you just need to ask the right questions. So as a basis, I kind of put together like a step-by-step -step guide of what this looked like. Map who is in your network. More often than not, the people that are really, really sort of those low-hanging fruits are already in your network. Taha was in my network. A lot of the clients I have to this day were people that were in my network already. And yet we tend to think about, oh, actually, I've got to go to this networking event and meet people. Look at who's already in your network. Another thing to note is a lot of people tend to think, oh, well, if that person can't help me, eh, they're not of much value to me. Wrong. Most of my you know, potential clients or clients that I've had have come off people going, I'm sorry, I don't really need your service or I can't help you with that, but you know what? That person you know, is looking for what you're doing. Next, identify and target your audience. Go to networking events with a strategy, not just to, you know, oh, I'm just going to casually stroll and meet people. Try and sort of, if there are people that you specifically want to talk to, try and identify who those are before you go. And even more so is go to, the, uh, go to LinkedIn, find out if they're going, and then message them and say, do you fancy grabbing a coffee in between these two sessions? Or can we have a chat after the conference? That's a great way of being, using your initiative and being sort of one step forward. Next, engage and add value. This goes for online and offline. If you're creating content on LinkedIn like myself, it's incredibly easy to push those people from a maybe working with you to a yes. Why? Because they see different touch points. They see me online, they see me in person, they see me online again, and by the time I meet them in person the second time, they're already thinking, okay, now I want to work with you. Why? Because they've gotten to know me over time, and I'm constantly in their line of visibility. Next, develop and grow your network. Ensure that you're constantly nurturing it because honestly like the minute you stop connecting the minute that you'll stop being visible the minute that you're not visible online and offline that all starts to disappear because you're not at the forefront of people's minds and lastly i'd like to end with i welcome you all to a linkedin local <laughs> there are hundreds of them or, well there are now thousands of them all around the world but we have at least 10 in london some that are themed for women, some that are themed for tech, etc. cetera. Um, and I ask you next time you know, that you're going out there to a networking event, try and avoid the question, what do you do for a living? And instead, ask something else. Thank you. As I mentioned, it is my last episode producing the Event Lab podcast, so I leave you all in the capable hands of Joe as he takes over as the new host. So for the last time, I will hit you all with a plug for Event Lab 2019. If you haven't registered already, you can find a link to tickets in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. 
you can follow all that Event Lab does on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at eventlab underscore online. If you have any questions you'd like to submit to the News Digest, or you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at eventlab at hirespace.com. Thanks very much for listening.